gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And today, we're going to talk about cults. and. Um, before I get started, when you read about cults, a lot of times they will talk about how cults can be talked about in different ways. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager and I got the Kingdom of the Cults book by Walter Martin, and that was kind of talking about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and some other sects like that. And that's a type of cult that um, deviates from orthodox beliefs. So that is definitely one thing. And we've talked before, like about Mormonism and stuff. But then there's also uh, another way to talk about cults. And uh, some of what we're going to talk about today really does kind of fit into our discussions about um, about spiritual abuse, because cults definitely uh, contain much spiritual abuse. So what we're, we're going to be um, talking about, I kind of looked up some definitions a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. You know, you see that sometimes when you think about um, some some cult groups that have been well known, where there's kind of a central figure, um, the cult of personality. Yes, right. definitely. And um, and then Carm actually has a, a really great outline with some stuff about cults since. Um, They've done a lot on that, but one of the definitions I had is a group that is unorthodox, esoteric, and has a devotion to a person, object, or new set of ideas. And I think that new set of ideas is important because even in our circles, you will sometimes run into a group that they have something that distinguishes them from everyone else, a certain focus on the culture wars, or they have kind of their own view of certain things, like maybe they have their own view of covenant theology or things like that. Um, and they're the only that, ones that are right. 
Like that, right? It's, it's their way that they have figured out, and they're the only ones who get it right. Right. They're the only ones really fighting the culture wars, or they're the only ones that really have covenant theology or reformed theology, right? One of the things that's important to know is that not every cult is going to have every single mark. Um, you know, they may have some of them, they may have all of them, but they may have some of them or some of them to different degrees. And this is, you know, like, like Colleen said, it, when, you're, when you're looking at something, there are legitimate, legitimate reasons that an organization or a church might have one or two of these things, right? That it's, it's not to any particular cult-like status, but it's, what we're talking about this is like an overall, over, overarching or overall picture of how this group, this organization, this church uh, acts and interacts with others. And so one of the things that, uh, like we mentioned, the the new teaching, this this idea, this concept that is unique to them, or it's a twist on things that applies to them. Um, and, you know, I was thinking as we were talking about cults, a lot of us were, you know, growing up, if grew up in the eighties, like there's the, um, uh, there was Jones, right. The, the big cult. Um, and you know, everyone drank the Kool-Aid and died. There's, there's that kind right. of cult. There's the, you know, David Koresh in Waco was, you know, a big one in the nineties, but there, there are much more subtle, like those are like the one that comes to mind, like the big, this is the cult. Like everyone recognizes this is what's going on. Um, but a lot of it is, is more subtle. So these ideas about like this new teaching that's special, um, that they have the only insight or the right insight to understanding the world, um, a charismatic leader. Uh, and this is the th- the one that, that, like we said, cult personality, that the whole thing kind of revolves around this person. Um, you know, they may believe that there's a special calling. And of course you'd see that like with a, a David Koresh type, you know, the ones that are, like messianic in in prophecies, but again, you know, not just focusing on on the extreme versions, but on on the the more subtle ways that this is shows up in in churches and organizations and groups around us. Um, you you have also isolationism, uh, where the members become isolated even sometimes from their own family. Uh, people will move to a location uh, in order to be part of this group or organization. And the the group encourages them cutting off ties with anyone who's not part of their group. Um, you know, reading through these this list of uh, marks of the cult and, and things that we're going to talk about, uh, it reminds me a lot of the, like the red flags in an abusive relationship and in a lot of ways, this is um, an abusive relationship on a uh, a larger scale. So it's not just the one-on-one relationship of like a spouse or um, a, a partner, but you know your whole uh, social circle right? is this abusive, um, uh, toxic environment. And so going along with that, along with isolation, you have controlling. So the idea is that they are controlling um, all sorts of aspects of the lives of their of their people, of the members of the group. Um, there's manipulation, there's threat, there's uh, excuse me, all sorts of ways of 
making you, of course, when it goes along with the isolation, making you rely on them. So, you know, you, you're dependent. Um, and in, indoctrination, you're being indoctr- indoctrinated into the group's beliefs. Um, and, you know, again, it's not just theological. This can be, um, there are, uh, like if you watched one of the recent uh, shows that was done on uh, kind of an expose of one of the pyramid scheme MLMs that was real big, uh, it has a lot of the marks of a cult, um, including indoctrination. And it, with the indoctrination, there can be a very legalistic twist on things. You have to obey things a certain way in order to, and it's part of the control. And again, uh, this this teaching that they have that is special to the group. Um, when you're dealing with cults that are theological, uh, many believe that they're the only ones who are the are true Christians or true believers. They're the only ones who have um, have figured it out. They're the only ones who are living um, consistently with their beliefs, and they're the only ones who are living out their faith in the right way. Uh, there may be a uh, emphasis on persecution. Many may think or predict that they either are being persecuted or they're going to be persecuted. And to the extent that any disagreement with the group is a sign of persecution. And this also goes back to isolating, right? So you, you know, those people who disagree with you, the people in your family and your friends that you, you have to cut ties with because they're telling you that, you know, this is, you're, this is not a good group, right? That all of that, comes together and all of those um, all of these marks and signs begin to work together in order to to brainwash you uh, to get you into thinking a particular way and thinking that you know you you now have the truth you're now on the right path because you have you are part of the in crowd of this correct group you know I watched this happen with a friend and it was it was actually a tiny reform denomination, but what happened, what happened was um, his whole life was this church that was part of the isolationism. So, um, you know, he didn't get together with friends anymore. Everything, his whole social life was the church. Everything he did was in relation to this, this church. Um, But also anyone who said, "Hmm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with some of these things in your new church, he had to cut ties with with those people, you know, they would encourage him. Oh, well, this is a bad influence. Um, you really shouldn't have anything to do with them. And sometimes they, they take any questioning as some form of persecution. So it's like, well, the fact that people disagree, that's just a sign that we're right. And so anything is seen, even valid questions and concerns is seen as some sort of persecution. And to them, sometimes a sign that that's not a good person because they're persecuting me in, in some way. Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. Had to. One other thing I wanted to say is that um, the indoctrination, one thing I've seen a lot, it's um, we, we think of the theological and that definitely happens, but a lot of times there's very specific um, practical uh, things that they think that are kind of the marks of, of their group. So um, sometimes you'll see it in regards to views on men and women where they almost elevate these other things 
like everybody homeschools, everybody mm-hmm. does this, does that. Um, I'm just using that as an example where they have a lot of things that aren't even necessarily uh, theological or doctrinal that they will elevate to being very black and white ways that our group lives. And, and you know, those things can be, um, those things can shift. Like in, you have a group where they start out and first they want everyone to put their kids into public school so that, uh, I'm just picking an example, um, so that you can, um, you know, influence the public schools. And then they decide, no, they want everyone to homeschool. So then, then it becomes the mark of, of true faith that you're now, everybody's homeschooling. Um, and you're using their curriculum or their, your, you know, this resource that they like. And then they decide, no, we're going to start a private school and everybody has to be yeah. part of our private school, right? So you have that that constant, like, moving people around so that it's that manipulation, it's that control, it's making people doubt their own ability to make decisions and rely on the group to decide for them or the leader to decide. And I think that there's um, a a fear that can be in, instilled in people that if you don't obey, which mm-hmm. is do everything we say, you're going to be outside the group. And when you're manipulated in such a way to think this is the only church that's doing it right, or the only group that's doing it right, um, you know, you live in fear. I don't want to be outside the group. I need to do everything so I remain um, in good standing with this group. When we've talked about abusers, and the same is true with spiritual abuse, the best abusers are very good at it. You don't necessarily recognize the manipulation when it's going on. And going back to because they um, they teach and convince people that they have, you know, they're the only right ones, the ones that are the truest, the most faithful, um, then the sense of assurance that people have in in their salvation comes from being in good standing with this group. So that, you know, their fear, like, like Colleen was saying, the fear is not just, you know, that they would be on the outs with their group and lose the the social connection and the people that they, that they're close to and their friends and, and support system. But in a very real sense, they're being threatened with being outside of the faith, with losing salvation, with being, with not having any assurance that they will be saved or they have been saved because um, they would then be kicked out of the group. And the, the fear is real because they've seen it happen with these groups and these types of groups. Anyone who... Um, raises questions, anyone who becomes a problem, anyone who disagrees is ostracized, is kicked out, is uh, cut off, is shunned, is, you know, it, someone who is, that goes from, you know, in crowd and close to the leader to, you know, we don't talk to that person or about that person anymore because, you know, because they, they did this bad thing and they are now on the outs and you can't associate with them anymore. Like all of those those ideas are are very real, and it's very scary um, for people who are caught up in the systems. Um, they have no they have no foundation other than staying in on in sorry staying in the good graces of the leader or the group that they're in, and with like with most abusive relationships, that can be a, a moving target. Um, the the goalposts change a lot. 
trying to stay on, you, know, you never know. It's, it's like the, the walking on eggshells, all the, the, the concepts that you, you see and read about, about an abusive relationship. This happens in these systems and you have to, people have to keep adjusting and trying to keep the leader happy and never know you might do the wrong thing or because there's a lot of competition, someone may try to cut you out of the group so that they can move ahead. Like all of these things happen and it's, it's very damaging to the people who are in these systems. Yeah. One of the things I've seen a lot too, I mean, I think very, very common is a sort of legalism. And uh, so even if they say, oh, we believe in justification by faith alone, it's kind of like when we talked about Hebrew roots. Oh oh, yeah, we believe in faith alone, but a real Christian will do all of these things. So they will often manipulate language, manipulate scriptures to fit um, what they're trying to teach and portray manipulating of scripture is very common mm-hmm. when we had the Frenches on, they talked a lot about that. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's, it's a good episode to go along with this one and their spiritual abuse situation, but there's a lot of manipulating of scriptures. I've seen it so, so, so much. Um, you know, one of the things I thought about if people know the story of Mars Hill, I think it's a mm-hmm. great example. And even Mark Driscoll's, current church, because some people that left his current church have come out and talked about how um, everyone in the church has told has been told not to talk to them, including their family members. Um, but one of the things that um, happened with Mars Hill is everything was so centered on Mark Driscoll that when Mark Driscoll was no longer the leader there, the whole entire thing collapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of of kind of the leader being central to, to everything where we've, we've all might know of situations where something happens, you know, with a pastor, a bad situation, the church continues on because it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily um, centered around the pastor, but that's such a clear example of, of what can happen. We have a lot of, a lot of girls in our group that grew up in independent fundamentalist Baptist. Mm -hmm. And I'm not super familiar with it, but hearing their stories, there are some of these, these marks with the sort of legalism, the sort of control, the sort of, if you don't do these things, then you're going to be out. You don't have salvation. And there's often a lot of fear and threats instilled Mm -hmm. to make people behave. And it's extremely manipulative, extremely controlling, um, lots of judgment on people for all sorts of things that shouldn't be. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's one of the things I talked about in, in my book, uh, when we talk about um, authority and submission, right. And the type of, you know, all authority um, apart from Christ's authority and God's authority is, you know, delegated and limited. And so when you're talking about a church, while, you know, those of us in, um, in Presbyterian denominations take, vows to submit to the leadership of our of our church and denomination um, that's not an all-encompassing submission right it's in matters of faith um, it's it's not that our church can tell us um, you know where we go to school where where uh, who we should marry who we should vote for how we should eat you know what we should wear all the things that are matters of christian liberty this is not a place for your church to be telling you um uh, controlling you and you know this is the an area 
where a number of, you know, it's the combination of legalism, like you were mentioning, Colleen, but it's where a number of um, fairly popular movements in, in our country um, have that tendency towards cult behavior. And, you know, like you're talking about Driscoll, um, it was a very controlling environment. And there, and like the, the French has talked about the one that they came out of, there are others. And when you start seeing that type of uh, attempts at control and all these aspects of your life, it's, it's something to look out for. I want to talk about what tracks somebody to a group like this, because one thing um, I've noticed is a lot of times people who are very vulnerable are susceptible and anybody could end up in a situation like this. Um, But I've seen people that are very lonely people who are looking for a certain sense of community. Sometimes somebody who from the outside thinks, Oh, this group looks so amazing. Look at how they're living for the Lord. Um, And kids all look so well behaved. Yes. I've seen, I I know of of one group from the outside that they look like one thing, but Mm -hmm. I've talked to people who were part of it and got out that said, that's not what it's like in the inside. Mm -hmm. They portray one thing on the outside, but once they, and maybe even when you first visit, it seems like, oh, look at this happy group and they have so much community and, you know, it's just so wonderful, blah, blah, blah. But then when you get into the, the really inside, there's some, a lot of abuse and control that, that happens. Um, one of the things I think some of us, and I, I think our default is legalism for a lot of us. And one thing I have watched is people trade one legalistic group for another. So mm-hmm. let's say they grew up in IFB. So I have to wear dresses all the time and I um, know alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And then they see this other group and they think they're going into a group that values Christian liberty because they're okay with drinking alcohol and dressing how I want and stuff like that. But that other group has its own set of new laws of legalism and so I would say, especially for somebody who's come out of a very legalistic uh, church, you have to kind of guard yourself from not ending up in another kind of legalism, because the way that the legalism works can be so so different depending on um, on what exactly. Like I've seen some people that have gone from IFB to Hebrew roots, mm-hmm. so they're like, okay, well, I, I'm not in that legalistic thing anymore, not realizing they're in a whole new type of legalism. You know, I think we talked about it some in the episode on uh, the attraction to legalism. Um, I think for, there's a lot of people, what attracts them to these kinds of groups is um, a sense of uh, wanting a sense of assurance uh, or a reassurance that they're doing things the right way, uh, that uh you know, these people have it figured out. And so I'm going to do what they do because, you know, they're telling me that this is the right way and the outside looks really good. So it must be right. And so then I can know I'm doing the right things. And so I'm, I'm good, you know, and it's, I mean, there's a lot of draw to that, to being told you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing. And um, there's also a lot of of, of draw to be in the in crowd, you know, the ones, the only ones that, you know, that, that exclusivity of being the ones in the right, doing the right things. Um, so there's a lot of attraction there. Yeah. And I can, I can understand it. Um, especially when I was younger and moved 
I moved to a new state and I was, you know, I was home all day with a a one-year-old and I was lonely. Um, I can see had a group kind of come and embraced me. It would have been easy to, to fall into something like that. I've noticed even since we have so many uh, women in our group that sometimes, you know, when a woman is lonely and a group comes and embraces her, it's easy to, you know, like, okay, I, I like this. I, mm-hmm. I want to be part of this group of ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've seen, I've seen women sucked into these sorts of situations by other women. And, you know, sometimes they have a husband that's not a Christian or a husband that just kind of goes along with where they want to go and ends up in, uh, you know, this sort of situation. You know, one of the big eye-opening things to me, Rachel, mm-hmm. was when we had the Frenches on that when they were talking about kind of the way they were recruited, if you want to say that. And that's the love, the love bombing like that. That was something I didn't fully understand until they explained. So you go to a new church and everyone is your best friend right away and they love you. And, you know, you're over at people's houses all the time and, and stuff like that. That's definitely kind of a way they hook you in. It reminds me of the, you know, kind of the, the Stepford Wife type movies, like where you have you know, this family that moves into a neighborhood and or and then everyone's so nice and everyone's bringing them things and inviting them in. And, and then you find out the bad secret about whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Like those those types of uh, mm-hmm. like psychological thrillers that kind of that start that way. Right. Where you're like, why is everyone being so nice? This is really weird. Right. But it's like that, right? And it's like what Ty and, and Craig talked about in their episode is that, you know, it feels really welcoming. Like you, we like being given attention. We like, you know, most of us enjoy being welcomed and being invited in and it's, it's great and it's community and it's, you know, it feels good. And, and then, you know, once you've kind of planted down some roots there, then you begin to realize all of what's going on. And it's slow, usually. It's usually not all at once. And they start, you know, the things we talked about, isolating you from other people. They start indoctrinating indoctrinating you, manipulating and controlling you until, you know, it's like the 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 frog that doesn't know he's in boiling water because it's been slowly getting warmer and warmer until you, real, you don't realize what's happening until you're pretty deep. Yeah, we talked about on, I think it was a spiritual uh, abuse episode. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it was it. You might remember um, about red flags. Mm-hmm. I have a good intuition, not meaning anything spiritual, but just I pay attention to details and notice red flags easily. And I've had situations in my life where there's been red flags, like something seems off to me and I maybe can't necessarily put my finger on it, but I know there's a red flag, maybe with a relationship. Um, I've had this happen before where I trust somebody um, and I don't really pay attention to those red flags. And obviously we need to be careful not to see a red flag behind every corner. Cause not, you know, a church loving you doesn't mean that they're spiritually abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But, welcoming you. But I, I find that when I talk to a lot of people who got out of a spiritually abusive church, they'll say, you know, there were some red flags, but you know, I didn't, I wanted to be fair and stuff. And so if you think there's some red flags, I, 
I think it's wise to consider them. Is this a red flag or is this me being, you know, too sensitive to something? But taking time to be wise and consider that. Maybe asking a friend, hey, you know, this thing and it might be a red flag or maybe it isn't. Maybe you have a wise friend you can talk to. Um, But I think it's okay to kind of pay attention when there are some red flags, when things, when something doesn't seem right um, Mm -hmm. to, to be wise with those. In fact, you'll hear that too. I'm sure you've heard so many of these stories, Rachel, when someone's in an abusive relationship where they'll sometimes look back and say, yeah, there was some red flags. Like, you know, he had a really quick temper, but then he was so nice afterwards. Um, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, there's with, with all of these um, abusive situations and, and relationships, there's that dismantling of, of your own persona and a dismantling of your own sense uh, of right and wrong so that you don't trust yourself. Um, and so it is, it's very subtle, but you know, you, like you said, you see those red flags, but then that someone explains it away or, um, you know, they, they go back to the, the love bombing. Oh no, everything's fine. You know, I just, I misunderstood something or, you know, maybe it's really not that bad. Um, and it's hard. And so, you know, I have, only sympathy and no judgment for people who've gotten caught up in this. Um, this is, you know, very, very smart people, very well-educated people get caught up in, um, in very discerning people get caught up in all sorts of cults and cult-like behavior in organizations. And it's very hard to get out of. One thing that can happen is compliments. And mm. um, so, wow, you're just so good at this. You would be such a great addition, you know, to our church here. And so it feels good. This is part of the manipulation um, being complimented and stuff. But one thing that can happen too is it, it also turns into compliment and then criticism. So um, sometimes they will compliment you in front of people, but criticize you behind closed doors. That can happen with um, a lot of different types of abuse situations. So these, this is part of the manipulation to make them, to make you think that everything's okay. They like me. I belong here. And even just an automatic approval and acceptance, there is kind of that thing. Well, they really like me. They really see my positive um, characteristics and they appreciate me. And mm-hmm. these are things that we all desire and but it can be, and obviously it doesn't mean just because that happens you're in a spiritually abusive situation, but it can be something in spiritually abusive situations that you is used as a manipulation to kind of hook you in. I, I see it kind of like, you know, when you're fishing and you have that hook and you're using different things to kind of hook somebody and and ultimately they they want to make you so um, they want to make you rely on them so much that it becomes very difficult to get away. Like you, you need them for whatever reasons, at least so many of the people that I've talked about, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's important is there usually is a very strong sense of community. And, you know, we all desire that we want to have community with our church and with our church people, but this is to an extreme, like your whole entire life is, um, 
is this group. Like if, if you're going to go to the grocery store, you go to the grocery store that's owned by somebody from the church might be an extreme example, but um, where not that far fetched. Right. You got need to hire a plumber. You got to hire the guy from the church. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's, there's an, almost to the point that you're afraid to do anything apart from the church. Mm-hmm. They, and then that, that leader where you have to rely on him for, for everything. So we want to have another child. We better ask the pastor if it's appropriate to have another child now, or, um, and it might be smaller things than that, but they want you to rely on them for direction on things that really your pastor and elders shouldn't be telling you what to do on. And the churches that there are churches that um, insist on a, on approving um, any move that a church member makes. Like, so if you're going to move to another state or for a job or whatever, it has to be an approved move by the church. Um, that is an overreach. Um, I mean, certainly if I were moving somewhere in an area I've never been before, I might talk to my pastor about if he knows a good church there, right? Um, I would certainly want to have community where I was going, but um, yeah, that's the church doesn't get to say whether or not you move. Well, this reminds me when we talked about the church covenants, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And so this is often some of these church covenants are often a red flag you should pay attention to. Um, I have seen some covenants that were outright shocking to me on all of the things that you promise to do um, that is just not the work of the church that that far extends beyond anything the church should be controlling in your life. Um, I rem- I know that there's a church that I know right now, I'm not saying it's a cult, but it is an example where when you join the church, you promise not to drink, to dance, to watch rated R movies. To, I mean, there's that's just a few of the things, but it's a long list to seek the pastor's um, counsel on a whole slew of things. Um, the other thing to be really careful of is there are some churches out there that basically say the only way that you leave church membership is through death. Or discipline. That's a very big red flag. Mm-hmm. Huge, <laughs> huge red flag. You know, that's, that's one of the things like if, if you realize that if you left the church that you were in, that, or even like you're afraid to leave the church that you're in, despite the red flags that are there, because you would be cut off entirely from your entire support system. Now, all of us in a good church, we have considerable support systems within our church that are important in our lives. But I'm talking about you would have nobody anymore because they have cut you off from everybody else that wasn't connected to the church and you have nothing without them. Um, that's that's a scary and dangerous place uh, for people. Uh, and it's it's one of the reasons it's really hard to leave. Yeah, you could lose all your friends, especially if they've been very isolating. Mm -hmm. If your only friends are in the church, if maybe some of your family is in the church, I think it's one reason why people stay in fear. You could lose your job or your business, depending on um, just how connected it all is. And it can be very connected. Um, It's or, you know, your spouse could lose their job or business. It's it's daunting. 
to try to get out. Um, you know, even for the ones that aren't, you know, to the level of like a, you know, Jim Jones or David Koresh, where you're fearing for your life, you know, fearing for your livelihood, for your family, um, for your friendships and your um, your emotional well-being. Those are legitimate concerns. Actually, um, I think I mentioned this before, but I, I heard this um, this guy who had, when he was young, um, his family was in a cult. And one of the things he said, I thought it was so interesting because both his both his mom and dad were in the cult and committed to it. And his dad start, started to see red flags. And this is probably like 30, 40 years ago. His dad started to see some red flags and was afraid to go to his mom and say, I think we need to get out because he, he was, um, he, he could lose his wife. Even what if his wife said, you know, um, Oh, well then you need to just go. I'm staying committed to this. They had kind of this cult leader person. Um, but when his dad finally got the nerve to go to his mom and say, I think there's red flags. I think we need to get out. It turned out she was thinking the same thing, mm-hmm. but living in fear. I thought that was fascinating. And I wonder how much that happens if you have both a husband and wife who've been sucked in, but then start to see the red flags, but are afraid to even talk to their own spouse about their concerns mm-hmm. in fear of losing their spouse or their family. Mm-hmm. Or being being cut off because they're the they're doubting or questioning or you know not supportive or you know there's it's a lot it really is a lot to be afraid of yeah in this case we're going to talk a little bit about leaving but in this case he said his parents packed what they could into the minivan and literally drove a thousand miles away because it had encompassed so much of their lives Mm -hmm. that they felt like that was the only way they could get out um, so it doesn't always require that. So let me say that. No. But if if you're in a situation um, like that, I I can't emphasize enough how important it is to find somebody you can talk to outside of the group. I have heard of spiritually abusive situations recently where the pastor and elders have said that it is wrong to seek counsel outside the pastor and elders mm-hmm. for anything. And let me just tell you, that's not a thing. That's not, you can seek counsel elsewhere and and seek help, especially maybe you're listening to us and you think, well, I don't know. I think there might be some red flags where I'm at. I do think there's some spiritual abuse. I'm not sure. Seeking out somebody to talk to, somebody Mm -hmm. wise, somebody that knows about these things can be extremely, extremely helpful. Um, On top of being of seeking help, be very careful and safe about how you, you look at leaving. Um, you know, we, we've talked about various levels here. There's some of these where, you know, it's, it's daunting to leave, but you would not be in any danger. There are other situations like the one you mentioned where, you know, they felt like they had to just flee. Right. So be wise in your decisions, be careful, uh, make a plan, um, get the help that you need to, to have a safety plan to get out. And um, it requires yeah. um, some time to, to feel like you're confident leaving and know what your plan is. Is that exactly. 
you know, what are some things that you can do if you have a friend who you suspect is in a cult or you know is in a cult? Um, friend or family member, certainly praying for them, uh, loving them, sharing the truth with them gently, um, knowing that it may be hard for them to hear it, um, and they may not feel it's safe to hear it. But um, be there and be ready to help them because if they get to the point where they're ready to leave, they're going to need your help. And even if they aren't initially receptive, if they know that you are going to be there regardless, they may come to you later. Sometimes you have a, a talk with a friend and they, they're they not receptive initially, mm-hmm. but there may come a time where your words will come back in their head and you're the person that they're going to go to when they realize, wow, I think she's right. So just a, being a person that is willing to be there, I think is huge. And also just, we've talked so much about what it means to share the truth and love. Um, you, you don't want to attack in such a way that they're just going to become defensive and mm-hmm. take their heels in further. Um, I have a, a few resources I can put in the episode notes. The other thing, I'm going to link a couple of the other episodes that we did, because I think they're helpful to this conversation, our episode on spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. um, the episode about Wade Mullen's book, I think mm-hmm. also, yes. and our episode with um, Ty and Craig French. Um, I think if if this is something that you're thinking, you know, I might be in a bad situation, um, maybe you're not in a cult, but maybe you are in dealing with spiritual abuse. And if you talk to people who've been in those situations, sometimes they're in it for a while before they realize something isn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, something doesn't feel right. So I would highly recommend those episodes if you've not listened to those. And I will put all of those in the episode notes. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>